Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Hey everyone, how are we going today? Good, good. Great to be with you and wonderful to be able to share with uh, Simeon and Sarah and little Macy. And I know that some of your family have been chatting in the uh, online chat, so I want to welcome uh, the family from Queensland as well. Great that you could be with us today. Well, what a great series that we've been in. We've been looking at what it means to be at the table, and we've been using this imagery of being at the table, uh, looking at a picture of the kingdom of God. And we've had this table, we've been coming around uh, this table uh, over the last few weeks where we've been exploring uh, what does it mean to uh, belong and to participate in God's kingdom. Where first week, we looked at that everyone's welcome. Everyone is welcome. You might think, I'm not welcome with God. You don't know what I've done. Well, it's not true. Everyone's welcome uh, in the kingdom of God. Everyone is welcome around God's table. And then we looked at the fact that we all have a seat. Uh, We all have a seat at God's table. We all have an opportunity with the skills and the gifts that God has placed in us to make a contribution into the kingdom of God. And if you're not sure about that, then Pastor Ash just spoke about the shape course. And that specifically looks at your uh, spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences, that acronym of shape. And over the next uh, couple of weeks, you can sit with Pastor Nathan and, and actually explore more about what your seat is at the table. And then we looked at making room for others, embracing the interruptions of life so that we make room for others around God's table. And last week, Michelle spoke to us about eating together. And she looked at some comfort food and some challenge food and looked at this idea that it can be both a comfort and a challenge. We come around God's table and we eat together. And today we're looking at this idea of being nourished and sent from the table as we finish off our time together in this series. So I want to ask you a question. Is there a place where you love being invited over for a meal? You know, if you get a text message or a phone call from a certain person and you're just like, I'm clearing out my calendar this is going to be great. I might not even you know, eat the night before because this is going to be a special event. And just a place. Is there a place, maybe in your past or in your now, where you know when you get invited to that person or that family's place for a meal, you think, yes, this is going to be good. I remember for me when I was a, um, a teenager, kind of going into my young adult years, I was doing some study across town. And for me, that was my grandma's house. I loved being invited over to my grandma's house. Grandma Stevens, like, she had like a degree in hospitality of the highest order. She was amazing. Whenever you went over to my grandma's house, she just loaded it up and it was all the good stuff. I remember, you know, you'd go there and you'd be nourished to, you know, as much as you can eat, basically. You know, she'd fill up your mains and, and, uh, and, and you'd have a lot to eat for mains. And then for dessert, it was always jelly and pouring custard. It was my grandma that introduced me to the custard that just kept coming out of the carton. And uh, she would just go, help yourself, no worries, it's all good. There's plenty of, plenty of food. And then afterwards, we would go to the front room and she'd make a cup of tea and then it was time for cake. Like, I'm telling you, like, I'm glad I had like, somewhat of a decent metabolism when I was younger because, you know, it was just, it kept on coming out. And there was this one time, I would have been 19 or 20, I was at my grandma's house, and, the, and she had these, like, um, do you remember those Swiss roll cakes that had the jam in the middle? 
They were good, right? They're probably still good, but I haven't had one for a while. And, uh, and my grandma used to cut them into slices, and then she'd put out a couple of slices. And I thought it was the right thing just to eat the couple of slices that she put out. And then she put out a couple more slices, and then I thought, well, it's probably just the right thing to eat them as well. And then she put out a couple more slices, and, and I thought, well, it would be rude, like, not to. And then she said to me, Mike, you just ate the whole cake. I said, Grandma, you put the whole cake out there. And then my grandma had this sort of way of just never letting me forget that. <laughs> but she was so into hospitality. I remember we were living in Melbourne at the time. We, moved, we came back to Adelaide on holiday and she was in her 90s at this stage and she was admitted to hospital and we went and saw her at the Ashford. It was the last time we actually saw her alive. And she said, I'm so sorry I can't have you over for food. <laughs> and we're like, Grandma, you're in a hospital. We've come to see you. It's okay. But I wonder if... Uh, who that is in your world, a place where you go and you're nourished and then you're sent out. Because my grandma would nourish me to the highest order and then she'd just send me on my way and she'd, and she'd just say, until next time. And I wonder what that is uh, in your world. What stories can you bring to mind? How is that real uh, for you? Because uh, I reckon my grandma's table, my grandma's front room, and her little place in Melrose Park on Edward Street, that is a picture for me of the kingdom of God. And I think it's a helpful image for us when we think, uh, what does it mean to extend and show hospitality? What does it mean to live in the kingdom? What does it mean to be nourished and sent into all that God has for us? Because God's created us to be nourished and to be sent. He's created us to be nourished by him and in him and to be sent out on mission. That's how we've been created. He's created us to be nourished and sent, nourished and sent, nourished and sent. And we see this in the person of Jesus. Uh, we see that Jesus uh, was nourished by his Father in heaven and he was sent out on mission. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth to bring heaven to earth, God's rule and his reign and his peace to all people. And when we see uh, Jesus speaking about this in Luke 4. In Luke 4, it's his purpose statement or his mission statement. He kind of lays down um, from Isaiah 61 this messianic prophecy, and he speaks about, this is what my life's about. And he says in Luke 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to, pro to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You see, Jesus was anointed by God and he was sent on mission. And he was sent to bring freedom and restoration. And as we read through the Gospels, if you, if you take some time, it won't take you long to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Just set aside some time and look at Jesus' life and ask the question, how was he nourished by his Father and how was he sent on mission? And just spend some time looking at the rhythm of his life. And you see Jesus regularly retreating to spend time with his father. Regularly retreating to be nourished so that he had the grace and the commitment and the purpose in his mission that he had here on earth. And Jesus had a team around him called his disciples. And his disciples were both a nourished and sent people as well. And we can see this in the calling and the sending of the 12. In Luke 6, uh, verses 12 to 13, it says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, who he also designated 
apostles. So Jesus began with prayer. He began in this posture of being nourished by his father, of being placed before his father in prayer. And then from that decision, he made the the decision to call the twelve. And this was a big decision to call those who were going to be with him and to be on mission alongside him and for him to pour his life into. He actually spent extra time in prayer, didn't he? He spent night praying to God. I love how Mark uh, speaks to the same account here of the calling of the 12. It says in Mark 3, Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him And that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So Jesus called these 12 to be with him and so that he could send them out. And this is really important that we understand that Jesus called his 12 to be with him to do life with him, to be nourished and to grow in his company and in his presence, to understand about the kingdom of God, to understand both the life, the joy and the sufferings of what it meant to participate in the kingdom of God, to be with him, but also to be sent out. To be sent out on mission was an important part of that, to be preaching and healing and teaching, to be uh, an extension of who Jesus was in the world. And Jesus believed in uh, rapid mobilization, if you will. He just saw this as a constant way of operating, of calling and sending, of calling and sending. And sometimes I think maybe we can think, oh, I'm not there yet, or, you know, I, I'm not, you know, kind of confident enough, or I'm not shaped up or enough, or oh, God hasn't done enough in me. But really, God wants to continue to work in you and then through you. He wants to call you and send you, call you and send you into the places that he has for you. And as we trust him, as we walk closely with him, as we are nourished by him, then we are sent on mission as well. I remember uh, when I was youth pastoring in Melbourne, there was a young man in grade nine and, uh, and he was um, learning a little bit about Jesus because a friend of his at school was sharing the Bible uh, with him. At lunchtime, they were just opening up the Bible. They were exploring some of it together. And he had come from a Buddhist background. So his parents were kind of okay that he would explore, you know, multiple different uh, ways to faith and to enlightenment. Um, But, you know, being exclusive on Jesus was probably something not 100% on the radar for his framework of faith or in the family in which he grew up in. And they were learning a little bit about Jesus. They were um, learning about him through reading the word. And then he got invited onto our annual youth camp. And he came onto the youth camp, and I knew him a little bit, and I went up to him the first day, and I said, hey, how are things going with Jesus? I know that you've been exploring a little bit about faith, and you've been learning a little bit about him. And he said to me, he said, Mike, I kind of feel like I've got one foot in Jesus' camp and one foot in another camp, which is just kind of, you know, spirituality. Not really sure where where I'm kind of at with that. And I said, well, that's really great that you can name that. I, I pray that you will come to know Jesus, you know, this week as we're on camp. And a couple of nights later on the camp, he came up to me. It was a five-day camp. He came up to me and he said, Mike, I've got both my feet in with Jesus now. He goes, I, I, I've, I've given my life to him. I've put my trust in him. And I said, that's wonderful. But he didn't just leave it there. He went straight back into his school setting and he started to share his faith. And he came to me a week or so later and said, oh, I really would like to get baptized. What do we do about that? So we went through some material with him and he went back to his school and he invited his whole class to his baptism. 
his whole class and his family who were Buddhists. He invited them to come and hear his story about how he met Jesus. What an example to us in being called and being sent. And being called and being sent. And whether it's being called into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time, or whether it's being called into something new with him, and then to be sent and be able to share that with the people in which you're in relationship with. So very important. And back in week one of this series, we looked at Luke 9, where it was describing Jesus sending out the 12 on a missional adventure to preach the good news and to heal people in his name. And what we need to know is that life with Jesus involves both calling and sending. It's both calling and sending. And Jesus' disciples were called to be with him and to be sent out by him. And when we think about this image of the table, we come to the table to be nourished and to be sent. And that's what we see as we look at the life of Jesus and his disciples. So therefore, as we follow him, we should expect that a life with Jesus and following him is being called into greater relationship and intimacy, coming to the table, and then being sent out on mission. And I think I've got two questions to ask you today that could literally change your life. They're questions that you've probably heard before if you've been in church for any time. But these questions literally will change your life if you take them seriously and act upon them. And the first question is this. How are you nourished by God? Honestly, how are you nourished by God? I love how James and Ashley just so effortlessly today just spoke about being in the Word, going for a walk, spending time in prayer. That's how they're nourished it's, the, it's, it's how God fuels them for the mission in which they're on. But honestly, how are you nourished by God? Now, you probably know the answer. if You've been in church for any length of time. But I'm asking you to hold up the mirror honestly today. How are you nourished by God? How does he fuel you for your life as you get into the word, into prayer, into nature or retreat, worship music? What is it that fuels you, as nourishes you, sustains you, grows you in your relationship with God? Because what James particularly mentioned in that Zoom call, he says, you know, it's pretty simple, but it's consistent. And that's kind of true, isn't it? You know, if we think about it, this consistency over time of being in the Word of God, being in prayer, being in community with others, finding our places where we really connect in with God. It's really important for us to be consistent over time so we're nourished by Him. And then the second question is, what would you describe as your sending places? What would you describe as your sending places? In your age... And in your stage of life right now, where has God sent you? And for everyone in the room, those online, it's going to be very different places. Because the way that God so uniquely shapes us and molds us, it will be different for many of us. But it could be at the moment in your home or in your street. It could be in your school or in your university. It could be in your workplace or in your sporting club. 
But where are the places that God sends you on mission? Because honestly, if we take these two questions really seriously and reflect on them as followers of Jesus, how we're nourished by God and where we're sent on mission, it will transform our city. It will transform our nation and the nations of this world as we are nourished and fueled by God and then live intentional lives on mission. Well, we've learned that Jesus was nourished and sent by his Father, and Jesus' disciples were nourished and sent by him. When we fast forward into the early church and we look at the book of Acts, which was also written by Luke, we realize that this nourishing and sending is just not, you know, kind of something that, you know, kind of, it was just with Jesus. It actually moves into the early church as well. See, the early church were nourished by God and they were sent people on mission. In Acts 1.3, it says, After his suffering, this is Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus had 40 days with his disciples post-resurrection. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God. In verse 4 or 5, goes on to say, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he was at the table, he was reclining, he was in relationship, he was cultivating that with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, it goes on to say, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. So the early church were nourished by God. Jesus spent time with them. And then he spoke to them about the power that they would receive through the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that would propel them into mission. And this is kind of coming all the way back, you know, to... Jesus telling them that they would receive power, just like he did when he spoke from Luke 4 and how the 12 disciples did from Luke 6 and their call in Luke 9 of how they were sent. And he's just saying to them, it's the same for you guys. You're going to be nourished to be sent, nourished to be sent, nourished to be sent. And in verse 14 of Acts 1, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. They were in the presence of God, being nourished by him. And then in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, says this, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house and where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they were, again, sitting in this room. You know, I don't think it's a long stretch to think that they were probably in worship and in prayer. And they were spending time with one another, postured in this way. And then the Holy Spirit comes with this untamable force, with wind and fire, and with what is like tongues that rest on their head, and they begin to speak in all these other tongues as the Holy Spirit fills them and empowers them. From this place of being nourished, then they are sent on mission. And there's this guy by the name of Peter who about a month earlier 
denied Jesus and, and, and was called out by a little girl and ran away. And he stands up and gives one of the most beautiful and powerful messages about this man, Jesus. Nourished to be sent. Peter stands up with courage and boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit and speaks about Jesus. And in verses 37 to 41, the people say, well, what do we do? What do we do? And he says, you repent and be baptized, every one of you. And that day, that community of faith went from about 120 believers to around 3,000 believers that day. And that wasn't anything the people did. It's what God was doing. And as we look through the early church and we look through the, um, the New Testament, we see God's people being nourished in his presence and being sent on mission. And it's the same for us today because we are still in that episode. We're still in that episode right now where Jesus has ascended up into heaven and he's promised he will return and he calls his people to be on mission, to go and make disciples. We are in that episode still now to be nourished by him and to be sent on mission for him. And it's been wonderful uh, during this series to hear uh, many different people have come to me and shared with me how God has been speaking to them about this series and about uh, being at the table. And it's just been wonderful to hear people you know, saying, you know what, actually, I, I know I need to be in community and in church. I've had a couple of people say to me whether they're serving a lot or whether they um, have had a difficult um, last season in life and have said, you know what, being in community is really important. And being nourished with God's people is so very important so that I can live for him in the places that he's got for me. So very important. But one person also shared with me through being nourished with God, it's given them a new sense of being on mission with the work that they're doing in one of our local schools. It's wonderful to see and hear how God is still drawing people to himself, still calling his church and his people to be nourished and to grow deeper in intimacy with him, to be sent on mission and to bring the kingdom of God. And I wonder what it is that God has been speaking into your heart. I wonder what it is that he's been saying to you. Because what we learn is that Jesus was nourished and sent by his Father in heaven. Jesus' disciples were nourished by him and sent. The early church was nourished by God and sent on mission. And we are called to be the same, to be nourished by God and to live as a sent people on mission. I wonder what it is that God's been speaking into your life over these last few weeks. I wonder what it is that he's been maybe drawing you into and it might be that he's been kind of each week just nudging you a little bit closer or, or it might be that it's been a very uh, strong word in your life. But I wonder what the commitment is that maybe he's asking you to step into is you can have confidence that you are nourished by God and sent on mission. Let's pray together. I want to encourage you maybe even if we could all stand together Wherever you find yourself today, please stand.
with me.